Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hey, hey, Maximizers. Welcome back to Maximize Your Influence. This is podcast 244. As we take a deep dive in how to maximize your influence, maximize your income, maximize your relationships, and maximize your time. When you're influential, it's a great time management tool. It's good to be with you, and thanks for your support and your email. In fact, we have some listener email today. Remember, I can be reached at... Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And I'm just getting back from a trip back from the East Coast, Western New York. That would be Buffalo and Pittsburgh, where I did some school. Since it's summertime, I took my daughter with me this time. We had some great fun. Sun Niagara Falls, again, at least again for me. I think it's seven times, but good every time you go. An incredible natural wonder. But while in Pittsburgh... Man, did I see some rain to the point where you're on the freeway, you can't even go 30 miles an hour, you can't see outside. They just have these storms, these flash flood warnings. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we almost died. We were trying to get to our hotel, took a side street, a little water, a car went in front of us, and by the time the car went through, the water had raised up about three, four feet, stranding the driver. We made sure the driver was okay. We started up this hill. Another stream went over its banks. The car starts going sideways down this hill. We made it out. Wow. Flash flood warnings are real. I am now a believer. Just like I didn't believe the story of monsoons that come from Arizona, but those from Arizona know exactly what I am talking about. So I'm here. One piece. We did get wet, but that's okay. There was a lot of major damage. I think everyone was okay, but it was pretty scary. Let's do the blunder or the ninja or what we call the blinja, which is a blunder or a ninja. You get to decide. So here's our creative sound for that. Don't, don't, don't. A little bit of both. You have the ninja sound and the Homer blunder sound. So this one was really interesting. I just saw this one. This was Farmers Insurance. You've probably seen their commercials. Pretty creative. Interesting. They use humor. And this one I saw online. Two guys in a car got lost out in the middle of nowhere. And then boom, this cougar jumps onto the hoods, growling at them. They're tense. And over on the right was a little skip button. You see on YouTube to skip the ad. Anyway, they were trying to hit the skip button so they could skip with this experience. And the commercial was about, no, you can't skip these experiences. You got to go through them. But we're here to help. Anyway, the blinja, the ninja or the blunder, is that I hit the skip button so I could skip the ad and get to what I wanted to watch. And that skip button took me right to their website because it was ingrained part of the commercial. I'm assuming this is a ninja because they took what people saw on youtube and put there and got a lot of people to their website the blunder might be it might upset some people because they didn't plan on going there so it's kind of maybe what deceptive i don't know i thought it was creative they took another thing they got a lot of people to their website that was their goal their marketers were smart did people feel deceived i thought it was great as a persuader they used another medium to cause me to get to their website so you have to decide on that one 
was that a blunder? You don't want to do business with them. It's going to bother you. Or was that a ninja like, yeah, good job. You got me to your website. And that's what I think about great persuaders is they, a lot of times they think, you know, hey, that was good. They didn't cross the line and I am not upset. So you decide farmer's insurance for the Blinja this week. Now time for the geeky article of the week. Here's our fun sound. <laughs> This is new research out of the University of Melbourne and the Journal of Motivation and Emotion, with the question being, can managers spark our motivation, or do they squelch it? And I think we could all say right now, uh, yes, both. Some managers, they motivate, they spark, they engage, they energize, they inspire, and others just squelch and suck the life out of you and demotivate and use all the high-lactose, cheesy things that cause you not to want to do what they want you to do. And as managers, you have to ask yourself, why are people showing up to work? Are they indifferent? Do they not care? Are they going through the motions? Some people are very dependable. They're self-motivated. Others might be motivated by desire for material rewards or approval. Some just avoid punishment. They don't want punishment or criticism. Maybe they're avoiding guilt. Maybe they want to feel secure. I mean, there's a lot of options here. So if you've been working in Influence University, that's at influenceuniversity.com. And yes, there's a free membership, especially if you're looking for the archives that we do a lot with motivation. How do you motivate yourself? How do you motivate other people? The key we found is internal or intrinsic motivation for long-term motivation. The fear, the desperation is good for short-term, but not long-term. But they found that internal motivation is the key to a productive, satisfied workforce. And so they looked at 30,000 employees around the world to find out, okay, what's the difference between these different motivators and what's keeping them motivated? But they did peg, which we already knew, it's intrinsic motivation that's the best. So external forms of motivation are contingent on external events like rewards or approval. Or even not getting fired could be on the negative side of external motivation. Internal or intrinsic motivation can be driven by inner experiences. That could be enjoyment, satisfaction, growth. You're learning, you're growing, you're part of a team, you're part of a cause. The key is when you can tap into that internal motivation of that employee, they're self-motivated. You don't have to monitor them. You don't have to micromanage them. So the best factor they found is to find these internally motivated employees as you hire them, right? Of course, that doesn't always happen. But they did find a few things that can help people tap into their internal motivation, and here they are. Providing opportunities for employees to make their own choices, having input on the decisions, leaders that encourage self-initiated behaviors. I mean, there's still structure there, but if they can self-initiate what you want them to do, that's what you're looking for. They mentioned empathy can be helpful, knowing that you care. Getting them to take ownership over the goal, not just assign the goal, but they know they have ownership and why they have to do that goal. And they did mention sometimes you need to have maybe some sanctions on the negative size or rewards to prompt the desired job behaviors. Bottom line, if you could help them tap into their internal motivation, and just like we talk about on the show, to help them persuade themselves, help them motivate themselves, you can't be like the saying, oh, you, you can't bring a, a horse to water. Well, we give a horse a lot of salt and they'll want to go to water. That's what you need to do with these type of employees is get them the salt, get them motivated. Eventually, you're going to get to the water because they want to. They want to get there. Internal motivation is the key for your success and to motivate those around you. 
And one last note, they did find that leaders who were supportive, leaders that gave great autonomy, not only increased greater internal motivation, but also improved workplace well-being, job satisfaction, and more commitment And they got more work done. So something to think about in our geeky article today on using motivation. Whether you're children, your coworkers, your employees, or those that you're trying to persuade and influence. All right, time for a little listener email. And a question. I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is from Laura from San Diego. Shout out to San Diego. I'm there in a couple of weeks. Says, Kurt, I love the podcast, but loved your seminar even more. Now, during the seminar, I realized I was a vomiter. Now, to those new to the show, that is a data dumper that someone who just says, here are the 17 reasons, here are the 14 reasons, here are the 12 reasons. That's a vomiter. So Laura says, I am aware that I am doing it, but it is harder to stop than I thought. Is there any hope? Well, Laura, there's always hope. There's always improvement. To overcome your vomiting. And that is one of the number one complaints out there, by the way, is that you tend to vomit on people. The 12 reasons, the 13 reasons, whatever the amount of reasons, it's not persuasive at all. It's anti-suasion is what it is. You give them reasons not to do it. If your son or daughter came to you and said, hey, I want to go out for the weekend and do this and this. You're like, sounds fun. And like, I want to go because of this and this. You're like, oh, oh, and I also want to go because of this and this. You can't go. Because they've given you reasons of concern just with your prospect. If you're vomiting 12 things, three or four of them are going to be confusing or something they don't want or something they don't understand, which causes resistance. You're guilty. So I want to talk about today is how to overcome your persuasion vomit. If you don't like that word, you can use the word data dump. And part of this is the way you structure your presentation. And if you want more information on that, remember InfluenceUniversity.com. Get the free membership podcast 182s in the archives that talks about presentation structure to make sure you don't get stuck in the vomit. And of course, influenceuniversity.com is home of the PhD Advanced Influence Program. So Laura, let's get into it. Let's talk about this. Many times we're trying to be persuasive. We want to highlight all the perks and the pluses. It's only natural. Wouldn't helping someone see the potential gains of your product or service be a good thing? Yeah, but the issue is your audience will buy for their own reasons and only their reasons. They don't care about why you like your product or service. Hey, I'm glad you like it and you should, but they don't care. It's their world. And now you're vomiting all the things that you like about it and what you think they will like about it. And that could be a dangerous path. These prospects don't care how much you know about it. And so don't bury them in detail. The more you spout off about features, the more your audience mentally checks out and it causes resistance. You want to draw attention to the benefits of the product or service. The best thing to do is uncover the features or benefits your audience is looking for first. Why spend precious time and energy highlighting things they don't care about? Let them tell you what they're looking for and then center your discussion around those few key points. It is critical to remember that most people already know what they want. In fact, your audience's mindset often is looking for reasons not to buy. It isn't a natural defense mechanism. They're thinking, how do I make sure I'm not going to get myself into something I'll regret? What could go wrong here? The other way that vomiting can backfire is you might actually feature something they're not interested in. And now you've given reasons not to do it. Or you vomited something that could be a drawback. They didn't understand. They didn't get 
A confused mind says no. An overwhelmed mind says no, and that's what vomit does. Why are you giving them reasons not to buy, not to be persuaded? Again, let them tell you what they're looking for. After you've discussed what they care about, after they've made the decision to buy, then and only then should you fill in any remaining blanks with other benefits or features. This data dump is very distracting. So are you a vomiter? Well, if you say yes to these questions, uh, yeah, you are. So do you interrupt your audience in your eagerness to highlight another point before they've finished? Do you ever lose their eye contact or get that glazed look? Do they seem stressed and different or agitated? Do they seem overwhelmed or confused? Are you concentrating on what you need to say next instead of listening? Is your prospect giving you excuses and objections you've already covered? Are you talking more about yourself or your company or product instead of discovering their needs? So if you would answered yes to any of those, keep listening. And Laura, this is for you. Some things to help you out. Oh, boy. Number one, learn to answer a question with a question. When they have a question, don't just vomit on them and respond to it. Find out why they're asking that question. Dig a little deeper. That is the key thing. But the problem is you've heard this before. Yeah, answer a question with a question. But nobody does it because your brain's not trained that way. The school system has taught you your whole life, answer the question, answer the question. So you do. And so with your kids, drive them nuts a little bit. Every time they have a question, give them a question back and practice it, practice it. Even improv training has a whole scenario where you just cast questions back and forth. You keep going and asking questions. Great way to train your brain to do that, being aware of it. I know you've heard it, but very few people have mastered that one. Also, know your presentation so well that stopping and taking questions or changing gears or going someplace else doesn't bother you. Your bandwidth during a persuasive presentation shouldn't be on the recall, what to say next, what to do next. Instead of being stuck on the recall, you should be stuck on reading the prospect. So you know when to adjust your presentation. Not be concerned what to say next, what to do next. No, your bandwidth, again, is not in the recall of your presentation. It's in reading the prospect. Train your brain. Why are they saying that? Why are they asking that? What's their body language saying? What's going on? What's the real meaning behind that? That makes all the difference in the world. Again, bandwidth not in the recall of your presentation, but in the reading of the prospect. And I know you get all concerned. What to say next? And what about this? And getting a word in edgewise. I got to solve that objection. No, let them finish and always, always have a pad of paper with you. Get permission. Can I take notes? And people love when you take notes, whether it be over the phone or face-to-face. And so write down things that you're seeing, that you're reading, that you're discovering. If something comes in your brain, you're just itching. You're just itching to interrupt and tell them and vomit on them. Just write it to the right side of your paper. And that way you don't have to worry about cutting them off or interrupting. Such a simple thing, again, but very few professionals do that. And I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it. Learn to listen. This is where all persuaders tend to fail. They think they're listening. Now, you know how to hear. This is something all of us can work on. To learn, to listen with your ears, your eyes, and your heart. It takes great mental energy to do this, but it's gold because when you can learn to listen and ask the right question, the dirty little secret is they'll tell you everything you need to know to persuade them to help them persuade themselves. Let's go home. Done. That's all you need to remember. The right questions, the proper listening skills. Remember, listen with your ears, 
your eyes, what's your body language saying, your ears, tonality, rate, what's going on. You're truly listening, showing more empathy, asking the right questions. It opens the doors to persuasion. It can be that simple. You have to train your brain to do this because naturally your brain does not do this. Your brain looks for the quickest, easiest solution, and that means one size fits all, and that's not true in persuasion. It takes a little more energy, more execution, but I'm telling you, it's well worth it in your success and your income. And final point to get past your vomiting or your data dumping is you need to find out what's in it for them before you launch into your presentation. What are their pain points? What are their hopes? What are their fears? What do you need to know to adapt your presentation to them? Then and only then can you start your presentation and explain features and benefits. Otherwise, you're going to explain some features and benefits they don't care about, they don't understand, they don't want, and it goes downhill from there. So, Laura, appreciate you listening. Thanks for the question. Let me know if that helped. Please, please, please be motivated, intrinsically, of course, internally, and let others know about the podcast. Get it out there. Appreciate the likes. We're also on YouTube at Maximize Your Influence, Spotify at Maximize Your Influence, Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. Take a look at those. And you'll notice that we spend out persuasion tips throughout the week and a lot of free offers every now and then, some free downloads we do on those too. And of course, remember the free book offer. Of course, you got to pay for a little shipping and handling. This is the new edition of Maximize Your Influence, updated with new studies. That's at lawsofinfluence.com. Again, thanks for being here. Thanks for your kind words. Really appreciate it. It makes it worth doing the show to know that it's changing lives and helping you with your success and your income. Again, as you know, master these skills, learn to influence, and go out and persuade with power.